Are you concerned about the air that you're breathing, especially with increasing air pollution? We all know how vital indoor air quality is, and here's where Puro Air steps in to make the difference. Did you know that indoor air can be up to 100 times, 100 times dirtier than the air outside? That's where Puro Air comes to the rescue. In just 30 minutes, this revolutionary device can transform the air in your room by removing allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases. But what sets Puro Air apart is its cutting-edge HEPA-14 filter, a powerhouse that tackles pollutants at a microscopic level. And it's not just me saying that, Puro Air is backed by scientists from both Harvard and MIT. I personally loved having a Puro Air purifier. I feel like I can breathe again, especially after battling congestion for like the last month. Winter can be tough, but within an hour, it was crazy. I could feel my sinuses beginning to open up. I slept through the night without coughing, and I've been sleeping so much better now that we have a Puro Air running in our bedroom. So check it out at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time, getpuroair.com. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Today's episode is all about small spaces, how minimalism makes living in a small space easier, but also sometimes forces minimalism upon us, but in the best way possible. We talk practical advice about being a minimalist mom in a small space, specifically where to start and also cover some ways to live small in your existing space. Joining me to discuss these topics is author Laura Fenton. Laura is the author of The Little Book of Living Small, a comprehensive guide to small space secrets and real-life solutions for living in 1,200 square feet or less. She also writes about home design and sustainability and is a regular contributor to apartment therapy. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast continue to succeed and grow. And lastly, before we get into the conversation with Laura, a quick word from one of the sponsors of today's episode. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and just be better? There actually is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. If you're anything like me, I honestly wasn't sure what to think of when a friend had mentioned meditation. My first thoughts were that I couldn't possibly relax enough to allow it to work. And my second was that, how could I possibly make the time? That said, one of my favorite things about Headspace is that I can do a quick meditation right before bed. It has been especially helpful on the nights that I can't seem to turn off my mind. Headspace is a daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. It's one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness meditation through clinically validated research. It's backed by 25 published studies on the benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com minimalistic, that's headspace.com minimalistic, for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head over to headspace.com minimalistic today. Laura, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm very well. How are you? Oh, like I was saying before we got on the call, I'm just having a little craziness with my kiddos this morning, but that is all 
fixed now. My sister's here to babysit. So I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to chat too. Yeah, we are going to be talking today about small spaces. And I'll let you define this a little bit later, or maybe when we first start the conversation. But I'm wondering what the difference is between the book that you wrote, Living Small, and a tiny home. So we'll get to that. But before we start, let's just have you introduce yourself to the listeners. Great. Thanks. Well, I am the author of the little book of Living Small, and I am a mom of a five and a half year old boy. Um, and I've spent really my whole career writing about homes. I Everything from like cleaning and organizing to decorating, renovating. Um, and before writing my book, I was the lifestyle director at Parents Magazine for six years. So I've written a lot about family homes in particular. And today I'm a freelance writer working for a bunch of different outlets, um, including magazines like Real Simple, where I'm a contributing editor and websites like Food 52, where I have a monthly column about family life and home. And I'm also wrapping up my second book, which is all about um, bunk beds and other cozy sleeping nooks. Oh, that's really, really fun. I'll have to look at that because I know that bunk beds are in our future at some point. So talking about tiny spaces, our houses, I think 1300 square feet with the five of us. And if we plan to have one more, which to me, I'm like, this is perfect, but I know people live with far less and far more space. So, but I think bunk beds are definitely the answer. Great. All right. Well, we're talking about small spaces today. I really want to talk about how they function best and how minimalism can benefit these spaces. But I guess rewinding, what prompted you to write this book and was it included in in your own minimalist pursuits? If you would even consider yourself a minimalist. I do consider myself a minimalist, but I think my definition might be a little different than some other people's. Um, I definitely, like if you walked into my apartment, you wouldn't think I was, you know, a minimalist. Um, We have a lot of stuff. We have a lot of books. Um, Our home, you know, feels full. So it's not a minimalist aesthetic, but in terms of like that constant editing and trying to find out what is enough and pairing back to what is essential is definitely like a, a guiding light for me and for my family. But for the book, I, you know, I live in New York City. I have always lived in small spaces. People in New York just naturally do. And I was frustrated because most of the books about small spaces are either the tiny house living that is so extreme it's not what most of us, you know, experience day to day or they're really like aspirational where you're looking at like people's like guest houses or weekend houses or even their pool houses and it's not like how real people live their everyday lives. So I really wanted to um show that. Like I wanted to show people who are living in relatively small spaces, but still, you know, real size spaces and people that had actually chosen to do it, you know, who could have perhaps lived in a bigger space, but for various reasons chose to something smaller just to really show what that was like. One of the things that I think people assume is that more space will mean our organization and our mess challenges will be solved because we have so much more space and we won't have to worry about clutter, but that definitely is not always true. So I want to hear your story and we'll talk about your perspective on this. Yeah, well, I, I do think people think that. I think people often think like, oh, if we just had another bedroom or if we just had a, you know, 
another 400 square feet that would like solve the problems of the house. Issues that people are having are, are usually about too much stuff for the space they have. And sometimes living in a small space might actually help you to streamline and simplify. It sort of forces minimalism onto you. You really have to be really in love with everything that's in your home when you're in a small space because you you can't tuck things away in that attic or the garage or the basement that you're going to deal with someday. Um, you really have to you know actively choose for things to be in your home. And so I find that living in a small space, our home is a lot smaller than many uh, family of threes home. We have 690 square feet, but it is very easy to maintain. It's very easy to keep organized. At the end of the day, it's easy to tidy up just because there's less to mess up and there's less places for mess to accumulate. So I think that I would challenge anyone who is feeling the urge to you know, move to a bigger space to take a step back and examine you know, what it is that they're really feeling that. Yeah. I think that people, this happened to me when we moved into this home because our each side of our duplex was 900 square feet and we lived on one half of it. And so we gained about 400 more square feet, which was exciting. We had a new baby, new person, Yeah. but just because I had more counter space in my kitchen didn't mean I had to fill that space and I prefer it to be empty, but we also had all these cabinets that we hadn't had prior in our, in our last space. And so it was weird to leave some of them empty. And yeah. <laughs> I, I even have a drawer now and I'm like, there's nothing in here, but it, I don't have things to fill it. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm sure that it, something will find a home in there at some point, but I think that people assume I have the space, so I must fill it. And that's not necessarily true. Yeah. We, the empty drawer is like such a great metaphor. Um, and we, <laughs> we have, we have an empty drawer that um, we actually filled up last spring when we were shopping more in bulk, trying to limit our grocery store visits. That drawer got filled up with like pasta and dried beans. And that having that little breathing space that you can fill if you need to is an amazing feeling. Um, I love the idea of the empty drawer as like a metaphor for your minimalist aspiration. I'm glad that you're seeing it that way. We also have a hutch in our living room. And it has, let's see here, I think it has nine drawers, uh, three of which are smaller, but I had several of those empty as well. And they have since found storage, but one of them is somewhat of a rotating, Mm -hmm. like I, I use it for rotating stuff, I guess. So right now my daughter's artwork that I haven't taken the time to photograph so that we can put it in our scrapbook. That's where it's storing right now. But I I do like the flexibility of, Hey, this space can morph. And maybe that's true of every area of the home, but I, I do I like that you said before you start pursuing larger spaces, let's reevaluate the space that we have. And maybe it's not a space issue. It's a decluttering issue. Yeah. And I, I love small space living in part because it also is such a win for families financially. If you're living in a small space, you're automatically paying less in rent or a smaller mortgage payment. And there's a lot of sort of societal pressure, especially if you're, you're having another kid or having your first kid, people expect that you're 
going to go seek out more space. And sometimes there's greater value in staying in the smaller space and putting that extra money away. And it's, it's hard. I mean, even my own parents, when we were expecting a child, suggested that we might want to look at a bigger apartment and maybe we wanted, you know, more room, but it didn't feel right to us to be stretching our budget at that moment in our life. And um, so that that's another reason I would really urge people who are craving more space to to think twice and to think if there are ways to improve their small space before uh, making that next big financial commitment for a larger home. Absolutely. And I always think back when I was in my late teenage years, I had the opportunity to go to Kenya and see how other people lived there. And I mean, they had entire families, like extended families in these small, I guess, they were clay huts of sorts. And I, I, I'd be curious to see if they had the opportunity to live differently, if they would want to. But I also just think this is a cultural thing and this is the way that we live. And we don't, we don't need because what we have is enough. Well, you know, there's, there's like a lot to unpack there. Yeah, like there's so much to say. Um, but well, and it, and, I, and it's true when my uh, home photos of my home were published when my book came out, a lot of people from other countries were like, this doesn't look like a small space to us where, you know, so culturally the definition of small is certainly different from place to place, even from place to place within, you know, America. Yeah. But here in the U.S., um, the average home size has actually doubled since the mid-1970s, which is pretty astounding to think about. Mm -hmm. And if you think about like, you know, maybe think about like your grandparents' house. You know, my grandmother's house is, sounds like about exactly the size of your home that you're living in. She had a 1,200 square foot house. And that was what all of her neighbors had at that time. And today, nobody is building 1,200 square foot houses. You know, they're just not the culture here has been bigger, 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 you know, bigger is better. But it's, it's good to look to other cultures, even to look to our own past here. Um, I'd encourage anyone who's in New York City to go visit um, the New York City Tenement Museum if and when they can. It, uh, it'll give New Yorkers a little perspective about how people lived in you know, our same city and our same apartments even 100 years ago, you know, like a family of six in yeah. what today is one bedroom. No, it's... It's funny how many things are coming out of this conversation. I feel like we could continue talking on so many different paths, but you're making me think of even with my dad, he was born in 1950 and they lived in this little apartment above a bar, but him and his cousins, they all like, he had several cousins in this one room. He's, he slept in a twin size bed for far longer than a, a man should be living in a twin yeah. Size bed. But yeah, I think I really like the idea of looking to the past and it, I never even thought about the thing that you said about how we aren't building 1200 square foot houses. Usually that's a condo, but also there was a study done and I, I cite this often. It's called life at home in the 21st century. Yeah. And they did a heat map to where the people were spending most of their time over. I believe it was a two week period and where the red heat was throughout the home was sparse compared to the size of their home. And I just think about that in my own life. And I've, I've always used that example for my parents thinking we need so much more space because I'm like, mom, I usually just sit on the spot of the couch. I use the bathroom. I'm cooking in the kitchen and I sleep in my bed. I don't need a ton of other spaces because that's not where I, I am. And I, I don't know. I also think there's something to be said about connectivity. And if we're building bigger spaces, 
our kids are far away from us. And I only have my kids for 18 years usually. And I I don't want them at the other end of our home. I want to be closer at this point. Well, and I, I mean, I, I talk about that a little bit in the book. I, I do believe that a smaller home fosters closeness in a family that you're, you're automatically going to be closer to each other when there is yeah like less place to hide. And that idea about this tr- thinking about the places of your house, you really actively use. We live in a pretty small apartment, but even so my son's bedroom is barely used for anything other than sleeping because he doesn't want to play in his bedroom away from us. He brings his toys out into the living room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like that is where he wants to be because he wants to be close to me if I'm cooking dinner in the kitchen. So even in a small space, there's a lot of our home that we're not really using to the max. Um, So it is um, something to think about. And I think that when I was researching and writing the book, what I loved to discover was when families were thinking of ways to get like more uses out of the space that they had. Um, There were two families in my book that were using Murphy beds for the parents to sleep on where their bed folded up into the wall at the end of the night. And then it was the living room during the day because the parents were like, we don't use a bedroom other than for sleeping to really like stop and rethink everything. Maybe there's, you know, another kind of swap that your family could make to better use the space you have. Um, My own family, when my son was a baby, we actually, we switched bedrooms. We gave him the big real bedroom and we took the little tiny like eight by eight room that was supposed to be the nursery because we realized like, well, what do we need this extra space for? We just sleep in here. Um, So to really like, take another look at your home and say, could we be using these spaces differently? Um, you might discover that there's you know, a, a way to get more out of the space you currently have. That is it for sure. We have a Cape Cod and the entire top floor is just one giant room and that's where our bed is. And that's where our baby was sleeping all to himself up there when we first moved in. Anyways, all that to say, I was like, this space is so wasted up here. It's half of our home really. And we're not utilizing it to the best of ability. How are we going to redesign this space? And also the category, I guess, that a home builder defines as this is the living room, or this is the dining room, or this is the den. We don't have to stick with that. It, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why we feel like we have to stay within these boundaries that have been created because I really am about using what you have to the best of its capabilities, I guess. Yeah. And there, you know, it's so interesting. One of the um, couples that was in my book, the they had downsized. And one of the moms said, you know, in our old house, we had two dining spaces. We had a living room and a family room. She said, we hadn't even gotten furniture for the second living space at the point that we decided to move, you know, into a smaller home. And their homes are, you know, they're, they're big. And that definitely is an interesting question if you're living in a big home to try and figure out if there might be better ways to use those spaces. But definitely that the layout you describe in your own home. I mean, my my parents' home is like that. And that upstairs space only gets used when they have guests. It's, you know, it's kind of funny. In 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. 
2020 was interesting, so let's just do a mental health check-in. How are you really, and what do you need right now? Humans are not meant to keep everything inside. It makes us sick, and therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. Not dealing well with stress, whatever it is that you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you, because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Minimalist Mom listeners get 10% off the first month at BetterHelp.com slash Minimalist. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Minimalist. Do you try to feed your family healthy and nutritious foods, but your kids are always begging for sweets? Making your picky children happy while also feeling confident that you're feeding them just a well-balanced diet can be quite a challenge. That's why I started feeding my family scenic fruit smoothie packs. Scenic fruit smoothie packs are made with 100% fruit that is grown organically on their family farms in the United States. And as a mom, I do feel great giving it to my kids because there are no added fructose syrups, no preservatives, and no added sugars. Scenic fruit smoothie packs come frozen to your door, ready to blend in great organic flavors like kale, avocado, banana, pineapple, strawberry, banana, blueberry, and mango, strawberry, raspberry. All you do is add your favorite liquid and press blend. I like to use orange juice or almond milk, and then within a few seconds, I have a delicious and healthy snack or meal on the go for me and my kids. I have to be honest, one of my favorite things to do is actually not blend the fruit into a smoothie. It's so good that I just give it to Benjamin in a little bowl and he'll eat it the entire time we go for our evening walk. I highly recommend you try out Scenic Fruit Smoothie Packs. You can order them online at GetScenicFruit.com. Use code MINIMALIST20 to save 20% off your first order. Not available in all 50 states. Check the website for details. Tacovas is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity, and I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with Home Threads. Home Threads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. 
At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on home threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit homethreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home threads, love where you live. So you talk about living in smaller spaces. How can we apply this to someone that does live in that larger home? That's an interesting question. I mean, I, it will certainly depend on the home. I've definitely heard about some people who carved, uh, you know, like an Airbnb out of their house, um, who said, we're not using all this space and found a way to, you know, make a separate place that they could then rent out part of the time, which is a really interesting idea. I've heard about other families um, during this past crazy year at home who said, you know what, we're putting the kids in a shared bedroom and we're turning that other bedroom into like the ultimate playroom, get the energy out. It can be a mess space. So there are a lot of possibilities, but I think resisting the urge to fill it up too, or taking your time to do so, to really figure out what's going to serve your family best is wise. Homes take time, you know, like it really, like you have to live in a place, you have to be there to start to really know how you're using it and what is going to be useful to you. So if you're in a big space to take your time with putting stuff in it. Gosh, there's so much that's coming out of this conversation. I wasn't expecting, (laughs) but I'm thinking about if I am, a young professional and I get my first home and I move in and it's, we'll say 2,500 square feet and it's empty. It feels empty if I don't furnish it. So I'm going to furnish every room. I'm going to decorate every room, but I could possibly be going into debt while while doing that. Yes. But also once you have crafted your perfect home, it's like, okay, I'm on to the next thing. And maybe that's not everyone's personality, but it's, I wonder if that's why people move so often too and aren't staying in homes as long. And I just wonder, there just seems to be so many cyclical, maybe bad habits happen. That's interesting too about the idea that I'm done now and I'm mm-hmm. into the next. I, you know, and I think that, and there, there's an argument for that. You know, certainly if you are interested in fixing up houses, that is like a great way to increase your wealth. If you're, you know, improving a house and once it's improved, selling it and getting the next fixer upper, I totally admire people who do that. But crafting a home that is a home filled with meaning is like, a, it's a lifelong pursuit. And I think that one of the things about a small space that can be wonderful is you don't have a home filled up with like the stuff you bought on Wayfair or Amazon just to fill a room. It's like in a small space, every single thing gets to be something you love and you really can take your time and choose. I'm like a borderline serial furniture rotator, you know, like get a new set of dining chairs, try them out and sell my old ones on Craigslist. Like I'm always making little small incremental changes to my home, trying to find 
just right, you know, and that's my style of decorating, but maybe not for everyone. Um, but I think that is more reality than like what we see on Instagram or like what we see in magazines or TV shows where it's like the big makeover, the big reveal. Um, in real life, homes happen a little more slowly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of my last questions, which we've somewhat, t- we've, we've somewhat hit, but I was going to ask you what you had as practical advice about being a minimalist mom in a small space. So where can we start and maybe what has made the most impact in giving you extra room? Yeah. Um, I hate to like just resort to decluttering because that I feel like is always where the conversations lead. So I, I'd love to like take a little detour. Um, one thing that really helped me was I was I was actually writing a story for Parents Magazine about like kid clutter, and a professional organizer talked about volume, and she talked about like the volume of things that are in our home and trying to reduce the volume. And that was really helpful for me. She gave the example of like pens, right? And like, I went around my apartment and like gathered all the pens and markers and pencils. And I was like, how do I have 72 pens? Mm -hmm. Like, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. And you know, what I did was like pared it back down to like enough that fit in my pencil cup and like got rid of all the things that didn't work in the kid realm with my son, who's still pretty young. I took all of those like one dot Legos and like removed them (laughs) from his Lego bin because like those were the ones that were like driving me crazy every time we had to clean up and he didn't miss them for building time. So thinking about ways you can reduce the volume of things in categories can really like just start to lighten your home in a way that you'll really feel over time. If your utensil drawer is just a little bit easier to open and find things in, if your space rack gets, you know, some of those things you never use cold from it, it gives like a little, just like breathing room to whether your space is small or large or, you know, somewhere in between that lens of thinking about volume really like helped me. Yeah. I'm thinking about socks. I was just (laughs) helping me sort socks before we jumped on this call. And I'm like, we don't need this many socks. You may wear seven pairs of socks a week if you're wearing socks every day. So why do we have, it feels like a hundred pairs of socks in our house. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, you know, Danae Barahona who does Simple Families. Mm She talked about her kids having a capsule wardrobe. I think she like showed photos of like what the kids would have for the whole summer. And that was actually like my, like mine was blown. I was like, I have all these hand-me-downs that I'm so grateful for the hand-me-downs, but like, we don't need to have them all. Mm-hmm. Let's pick six t-shirts and six pairs of shorts and that's it. And you know, like we do laundry more than once a week, yeah. every week. Mm-hmm. So why do we need to have the huge endless stack? It makes life simpler and easier if you really only have what you need and use. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you can bless someone with those extra hand-me-downs. So yes, totally. Well, Laura, where can listeners find you and grab a copy of your book? The book can be found wherever books are sold, um, including like the big guys like Barnes and Noble and Amazon and also bookshop.org. And they can find me on Instagram um, where I share a lot about things I'm writing. I'm 
uh, laura.alish.fenton. Yes. And I highly recommend your book. It is beautiful. I love the photography in it. I am a photographer. I put that in quotes <laughs> on the side. It's so stunning. So it's just even a beautiful coffee table book. So... Well, thank you. My um, my very sweet husband took all the photos for the book. So, <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Well, as we wrap up the conversation, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now, aka what is your minimalist moment of the week? So I am trying to simplify my work day. I am self-employed and I work at home, but I'm amazed at how sort of fractured my day can be. And that's like, even with my kid back in school, five days a week in person. So I am trying to find ways to, you know, proactively remove distractions and do more of a deep dive into some of my projects and like really get that like focused work back. Yeah. I feel like as we're coming out of the fog of what was this past year, I'm like, okay, I need to get a babysitter again, just for a couple hours once a week and get my day organized so that I can be on top of things. So I'm not stressed out in this room. So I I am right there with you. All right. My last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? I can't stop talking about the podcast, how to save a planet. I am really interested in sustainability and this is my favorite podcast in this category. Um, I love it because I learn new things every episode and I love that How to Save a Planet is focused on solutions. It's not just like doom and gloom, all the things that are wrong. They're always talking about ways that we can address some of the problems we face. And they even offer like these little action items for everyday you know, like people like us to um, do on whatever the topic is. And so I love that podcast. If Ayana and Alex are listening, I think they should do an episode about how building smaller homes can help save the planet. <laughs> but Good idea. Um, I love that podcast. It's fantastic. No, that's great. That sounds really interesting. I don't feel like negativity ever helps spur someone on. I feel like then we just stay down and it just feels like, oh, well, it's hopeless. So I'm not going to do anything. But solutions... And I don't know. I think that that's, maybe I'm a fixer, but I, I like that approach. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Well, and it's like, inter- they they talk about really interesting stuff like kelp farming and, you know, like all these things that like you normally just might not encounter in your, you know, like news reading. So it's a great one. Yeah. Well, I loved this conversation. Like I yeah, said, too. so many little paths of conversation that we probably could dig into a little bit deeper just came out of it. So I hope that this gave people something to think about and I appreciate it. Well, you know, I mean, talking about home, it's always like, it seems like it's surface decorating and organizing, but like there's, there's a lot there. What did you think of the episode? I really loved how the conversation took different paths. And like I told Laura, I feel like we could really dive deeper to some of these topics. So maybe look for that on a future episode. But I think one of the biggest takeaways is that the fastest, really easiest way to make your small space feel more spacious is really to declutter. Really staying on top of those little things causing clutter in your life right now. So it could be piles of unsorted mail, the dirty dishes in the sink, an overflowing toy box too many shoes gathered near the door, stacks of books on the nightstand, anything expired in the fridge. It's little things like this around our homes that just add to that overwhelm and honestly make our space feel a lot smaller because there's just so much in it. So it's little piles like this that you can clean up throughout your day. Even if you have a lot of space, it starts to feel small because of all these various areas of clutter you have. So I hope this episode was helpful for you. 
but I'd love to know your thoughts. So I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.